space, the final frontier. Space Station Ashland sits on the edge of Federation space with its companionship, the USS Dalamis Christian. The space around them is full of mystery and strange wonders, where secrets are kept and danger lurks around every corner. The crew of the Dalamis Christian must navigate treacherous waters as they work to protect the Federation. But as they peer into the unknown, they will discover that the line between friend and foe is not always clear. They will be tested like never before and will face challenges that will push them to their limits. Join us on this adventure as we explore the farthest reaches of space and uncover the hidden truths that lie within the shadows. Tabletop Journeys presents Star Trek Preservations. Captain's log, stardate 57575.7. Commodore Pritchard has ordered the Dolomish Christian to patrol the area around the new Zindi colony world, while Starfleet sends another vessel out to Aslan Station to assist with frontier security operations. While I've lost Lieutenant Commander Shaw, Dr. Taishi, and Chief Vila Lord of the Michael Collins, I'm pleased to have been able to keep uh, Commander Chilzinrin as my new executive officer and promote Lieutenant a Camdrell to Chief of Security, and Alik Alm as Chief Science Officer. Captain's Log, Supplemental. After dining with Damon Brazig at the Zindi Colony, he and I negotiated a deal to investigate some strange gravitational and temporal anomalies in the nearby Carina Profian Nebula. Upon closer investigation, our sensors detected a massive biologic field nearly the size of the Sol system apparently trapped in a temporal singularity. We were able to establish communications with the entity called Navidnad, whose efforts to return to his own space and time were causing temporal gradient shearing loops across local space-time. Lieutenant Teneri was able to modify our shield to protect us from the worst of the effects. In a stunning effort in Starfleet talent and teamwork, the crew was able to devise a solution of firing an intense stream of anti-tachyon particles into the temporal singularity to widen it sufficiently for Navinad to be able to get free and make it home. To think, a Cosmo-N the size of a star system. Imagine what it could have taught us about the nature of the universe. But alas, we'll have to settle for setting a life form free to return to its home. We have confirmed that with his passage and the collapse of the temporal singularity, the nebula is now safe for interstellar travel, much to Damon Brazig's delight. The last time we met, not only had you encountered the being Navinad, but at the very end of the mission, when you returned back to the, the station that Damon Brazig has has set up, he casually uh, mentioned that he would have more work for you uh, because running a, a burgeoning shipping empire is notoriously difficult. And at that point in time, uh, again, nearly nearly a month ago, he'd said that he had a freighter that had gone missing. Um, 
Though it hadn't reported into where it was going yet, and he was concerned that it had gone missing. There was no... You guys probably did some routine investigation while looking around. Weren't able to go ahead and find really any evidence of where this freighter allegedly went, and who knows really what happened. Today, you are all summoned to Damon Brazig while you're casually at station because the ship has appeared back at station with a story about what happened. Brazig had some some information ahead of time. So the ship basically, so it's a a Ferengi freighter by the name of the Ryashka. And the report from the captain and the bridge crew of the freighter was that from their knowledge, nothing unusual happened. Everything seemed very straightforward. They left dock. They traveled at... The freighter travels at a slightly higher warp because it travels higher speed. It travels greater distances. It was cruising at warp 6.5, warp 7, something like that. It was about a two or three week trip from where you guys were to Space Station 10. As far as it knew, everything was fine. When it got to Space Station 10, however, it was three or four days late. Its manifest was short by about 15%, which to Damon Brazig was absolutely unacceptable. And they have now returned back to answer to Damon Brazig, and Brazig basically says that the story that this captain is telling and the the log results from the ship itself are... he, He can't make heads or tails of it, so he is asking for your help in investigating what happened to the Ryashko. To clarify, the ship's instruments, based on what you just said, agree with the crew's assessment that everything seemed normal and that they shouldn't have been missing these three days or so? Not quite. When you examine the logs and the systems, the logs don't show any any delay or anything like that. Any of the crew logs that were logged over the time all seem everything is fine. The one thing that is bizarre is that the internal chronometers on the ship are also off by three or four days. The amount of time that it was late, the the chronometers in the ship are off by that amount. So it's almost as if the ship didn't exist for three days and then was put back. Sans a certain number of people. What was that, Ocean? I said uh, missing a, a bunch of people. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like the crew itself, it's again, it's a freighter. It's, it's primarily a gigantic uh, freight bay with a with a bridge crew of probably 15 or 20. The ship and the people were gone and then they were put back. And they did not know that, and almost like an alien abduction, they did not even know that they were missing. And the ship's chronometer- Are some of the people yeah. still missing? Nope. Everybody All of the back. people are back. Correct. Then what, then what was Sorry, missing besides yeah. time? Yeah, no, I was going to say, what the, the 15% missing yeah. manifest, right? Yep, correct. Three people are gone, right? It's so the people weren't on, not the, it wasn't the manifest as far as like people, it was like the cargo manifest. Cargo, 15% of, yeah, of the cargo. 15% was of the cargo. And they were carrying biogenetic samples, which the Zindi had given to the Federation to help further study and assist in their unique biology and everything like that. And it was 15% of it or so was missing by the time they got to Space Station 10. Hmm. Well, only if we had a deep space research science vessel available to us. If only. Fortunately, the Michael Collins is uh, light years and light years away, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so conveniently. So and where are we currently? 
So the you are at the station which Brazig has set up for himself to administer these shipping routes. The, okay, uh, so the, not Aslan Station, but in the Zindi correct, system. Correct, in still. the Zindi system. The Zindi have started calling the system, for lack of a better term, uh, Ixaya, uh, which is some word from their language also. So there, you're, you're at the station in the Ixaya system uh, that Damon Brazig basically runs his administration out of. And currently the Rasasha is at Space Station 10? No, it, it returned back. It returned back. Good. Yep, it is. It has now been returned back because the captain was basically summoned back to go ahead and answer to Damon Brazig about why 15% of his cargo was missing because that's 15% of the funds that would be procured for that transit that he's also lost. That seems to be what Damon Brazig is most concerned about. Captain, shall we examine the ship? I was going to say, let's huddle up in the conference room. What is it that you're looking into, and how would you like to proceed? First of all, get the crew going on a stem-to-stern scan of the ship. Are you talking, like, exterior or computer systems? What are you investigating first? Uh, Right now, go through the ship with the crew, with tricorders, Mm -hmm. um, start looking for any sort of anomalous energy signatures. Sure. Yep. So give me, uh, let's see, this would be like a difficulty two roll with the engineering crew. This is average ordinary thing, but it's more just can they recognize what the readings that they're getting from their tricorder suggests? How would you like to roll? Probably reason science. Let's see. That's more forming a hypothesis once you've got the data, as far as getting the data. Yeah, I I give you reason science. Yeah, that's fine. We can do that. And it's a difficulty to rule. All right. I realize we're not on the ship, but would we get a extra dice roll to indicate for the crew? Uh, For the engineering crew, you mean? Yeah. Uh, So normally what that would do is that would take the difficulty from a two down to a one. Okay. Yep. But that only applies when you're on board the Delamus Christian as right. chief engineer. Yep. So. Okay. So I've got so reason science is 13. I've got basically two dice and no momentum to spend. So you can always add threat. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot to go ahead and image you guys. There we go. Yeah, let's get one threat. Get an extra dice. Yep. I like your spot. Let's let Josh have some fun. <laughs> I'm like the least threatliest storyteller on this crew. That's it. Threatliest? Threatliest. Threatliest? Threatliest. I mean, I'm all for inventing words, but I'm not sure that one passes muster. <laughs> all right. Now, this is a way to start off a game. 20, 20, 19? Not quite. 11, 19, 20. 11, 19, 20. Okay, so you got one success, you needed two, so that's not going to work. And a 19 and a 20, so that's going to be... uh, Just one complication. Only one complication. Okay, cool. Let's see. Let's start this off fun. I will... See, I did not expect that this (laughs) would... I did not expect that it would go this quickly. Let's see. So he never gave you anything. Man, I am totally... Can I... I can just bank bank it as two threat, right? Yeah, I'll bank it as two threat for now. Essentially, uh, you have a complication to name later. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. 
So <laughs> I'll need it later. I don't need it right now. I'm just trying to get you guys information. So yeah, so the crew, as they're scanning the ship, they are getting readings of energy signatures, but they don't make any sense. The hangup that the tricorders and the computer systems are having is that they can't match up any sort of technology that would have produced the energy signatures that they're seeing. It's almost nothing could do that. There is nothing that would smear peanut butter on the outside of the ship. Why is there peanut butter there? That kind of thing, right? It's not peanut butter. But so that's the problem that the uh, that the engineers are having diagnosing what's going on with the exterior with with the with the makeup of the ship itself, the physical corpus of the ship itself. Mm-hmm. So while Tadari is working on that, I'm going to have a uh, ocean. I'm going to have you reach into your uh, well-informed contacts and figure out if there's any other incidences that have been happening along this route between us and Station 10 and anything to report back. And then Lieutenant Najjar, I want you to start interviewing the crew of the Ferengi vessel and get their side of the story when they don't think their boss is going to fire them. Absolutely, Captain. I was going to suggest that I start interviewing the crew. May I also suggest or request the presence of a member of the medical team? I'd like full biological scans of each individual as well, if we're considering this may have been some form of temporal anomaly to go along with the interrogations. As long as they're consenting, I'm happy to detail our, our sick bay officer. Oh, absolutely. We wouldn't attempt to do any form of medical examination without consent. I figured speaking directly to the vessel's captain, they've been instructed to cooperate with us, I'm sure. And hopefully the captain will be able to get his crew to participate without any further issue. Excellent. So who would like to go first? Do you want, you want Ocean to go first or do you want Najar to go first? I'm no, have him go first because I need to come up with a few questions. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Perfect. Who would you like to interview first? Again, there were probably 15 or 20 people aboard the aboard the Ryashka. There's a captain, an XO, and then a bunch of kind of low-level cargo people that move things from point A to point B. Okay. I would start with the captain. Mm-hmm. Please. Sure. All right. The name of the captain, so he's a, it's a Ferengi freight vessel, works for Damon Brazig. His name is Captain Oblong. Uh, Oblong? Like the shape. And it seems a fitting name. All right. And uh, talking to Captain Oblong, thank you very much for meeting with me, sir. I understand that this must be very confusing for you and your crew as well to have this missing time, and we're doing our best to get to the bottom of it. Not, Could not I, I did nothing wrong. I am absolutely confident that we will get to the bottom of it, and I'm not saying that you've done anything wrong. In fact, I'm hoping to prove the opposite, because honestly, I think that something bizarre did happen to you out there, and if you guys could cooperate with me, I hope to make sure that it's 100% clear that you and your crew are not responsible. Yeah, I'll cooperate. I went from here. I went to Starbase 10, unloaded my cargo, came back here. They say it's short. I don't know why it's short. No, I understand. But did you know your ship's chronometer is also off by three to four days as though you simply have time gone? Sure, but that just happens, right? Like those, those things are notoriously unreliable, right? Okay. I don't think they are. I think that they are very highly... That's neither here nor there. 
Captain Oblong, could I can I trust that you'll provide me with a manifest of all of your crew members and encourage them to participate in some interviews with me and a medical scan from my associate here? Sure. Yeah, I've, uh, sure. I don't know why I need medical scan, but sure. We're just checking all of the boxes, making sure that you didn't run into any strange subspace anomalies or radiation of any form that may have accounted for the lost time. And if everybody comes back normal, we'll be able to rule that out real quick. All right. Yeah, sure. I will. Whatever Starfleet wants, Starfleet gets, right? I am here to assist. Thank you very much for your great attitude. And from there, basically what I'd like to do after I've gotten his consent is ask him and each person subsequently to slow down because I'm not trying to interrogate from the root out information perspective, but more the listen to their story, ask them to talk to me about their trip. No detail is too small from point A to point B, anything they noticed that was unusual, etc. while keeping my emotional feelers open for anybody who suddenly feels a sudden shift or spike in emotion as though they're suppressing a memory, trying to lie, angry about something, hiding something, the general stuff. Sure. Yep. So you're using your telepathic power to like drill into that? Is that kind of the... Using the empathy power in com- combination with my focus in behavior analysis and criminal psychology and my talent at, in- at interrogation Yep. to ask normal questions, but basically not quite human lie detector because I don't think yeah. I fully have that ability, but I can tell if something's off, if something frightens them, something angers them. Sure. Yep. So what sort of role? This seems very routine for you, so I'd say probably a difficulty one role. I'm thinking definitely security anytime I'm investigating sure. or almost anytime. Um, previously, I'd gone with insight, but I'm really thinking that since my power is directly involved in it, that perhaps it should be control. What do you think? Uh, let's see. Control security is the, that's like the stealth ability. That's like the stealth combination, right? On the matrix that I have here, it's like attack an enemy from a distance or stay unseen moving through hostiles. All right. So, you know what? I can maybe Inside see security control. works because yeah. that's using like the all of that criminal psychology yeah. part of it too. Behavioral analysis. Yeah, spot an ambush trap, that kind of thing. Yeah, control security is an intriguing one though. Let's remember that. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, inside security then, and a inside difficulty one roll. Like this is security difficulty one. I will just stick with my two d twenties then. Mm-hmm. Give me plenty of threat. That'd be great. <laughs> And I have one success and one failure. Perfect. As long as you get the success, that's fine. Yeah, as far as you can tell, certainly the captain does not think that that if something did happen, he is absolutely certain that he did nothing wrong. And that's like the prevailing emotion. And it might be like he might be in that kind of mindset because he just came from Damon Brazig, who who just gave him a hard time for losing some of his stock. So that's like the very surface, I am convinced that I did nothing wrong sort of feeling. He's also, so the line that he threw out about the chronometers being notoriously inconsistent, he knows that's crap. He knows that the chronometers, of course, are not are not inconsistent. That's the core system that makes the starships function in any real way. So the fact that it's off by three days is concerning him a little bit, uh, especially since he has no idea why it might possibly be off for three days. And then as you drill down the crew, Ferengi, for the most part, are very intelligent, right? They are a very smart space race. As you go down the list of people from the crew, you're finding less and less of... Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Joe. 
So you do know that Ferengi are difficult, if not impossible, to telepathically read, right? Oh, I guess I didn't realize that. It's been a plot and you're not point really, several it's not, times. You're really, not really using telepathy either. You said you're using more investigation and less of your tele, your telepathic powers, right? So I am not telepathic. I am yeah. an empath. But from a scientific Star Trek point. But in terms of reading, reaching them mentally, yeah. He's yeah. still reading the alpha brainwaves yeah, that are being put out just like someone talking. And we hear the sound wave hit our eardrum. Yep. So Ferengi perhaps should be a higher difficulty than just one. Yeah, but that's good to know. Because, yeah, it is a combination, though. I'm also using clinical psychology and all of the, the tells and tricks you learn from yeah. Yeah. being and, an interrogator, etc. And, again, this is one of those things that, again, as you run down the list of people that were on the ship, you're finding that they are less savvy than the captain was, even. They're much, there are a bunch of people there that are basically like, this is the best job that they can get. They're kind of loading cargo back and forth because they're not invited to go ahead and participate in any of the science stuff. You're finding that most of them have really no concept of what happened. Like, you're talking about, like, how the fact that, like, the ship was gone for three days and they're like, no, no, it wasn't. What do you mean? I was on the ship the entire time. The ship was not gone for three days. What's a chronometer? I don't know what this is. So it's like they're less useful and they're also way less emotionally impacted by what happened. Each time that somebody runs into that block, Najar's goal would be to slow them down and just get them to talk about each day of the journey. Not what happened, not what who did what or anything else, just sure. anything you remember about the day, anything that was unusual, yep. looking for any weirdness along those lines. You, you are regaled with numerous, especially again as you go down the chain, you are regaled with numerous useless stories about what what's Stevedore XYZ did on one day when he was eating his breakfast and versus using the head and all the like weird, like nonsensical stories of just like of everyday activity of what happens on a on a month-long voyage where you're carting material from one point to another right the amount of tedium it's like one of the one of the one of the the kind of the hands is saying that the captain would routinely ask them to move piles of material around the cargo bay to go ahead and just to keep them busy but that that there was no that it was a very boring trip otherwise and and their stories they don't seem to have any sort of like missing gaps or any sort of there's no stories of there's no feeling that they were kidnapped or that they were abducted in any way or that that anything strange happened to them. The only one that kind of really seems to have internalized that something even really happened to the ship was the captain and probably the XO. Are both, mm, yeah, the, the chronometers being off is a little weird, but we're putting forward a very brave face to go ahead and suggest that's not weird that the chronometers are off at all. Okay, cool. So no yeah. weird details like... Five crew members on the fifth day of the journey all thought they smelled fudge in the afternoon. Not that they remember. They do not cool. remember anything strange that happened between point A and point B. Now, not that we were on Warehouse 13, but... Yeah. Exactly, right, yeah. So, when the medical scans are running, there are, as to be expected in a situation like this, the normal run-of-the-mill weirdness that come up, right? You are finding evidence that the temporal desynchronization that happened on the ship is also present in these Ferengi on the cellular level, as if they were not in existence for three days and then they were put back. And so there is like those sorts of things. The other thing that's strange, and again, it pops up on the scans, is that these Ferengi have a notoriously strong immune system. You are also getting like readings that their immune system is not functioning 
properly. As if, and again, it's to cross with what Tanari was researching a minute ago. Tanari, you saw readings on the kind of the exterior of the ship and on the corpus of the ship that were energetic, but from an unexplainable source, right? So let's, for lack of a better term, call it radiation, right? If these 20 people were subjected to a strange high-powered radiation that could also damage the ship in this way, it may impact their immune system. In this. And so it's another effect. It's the personal effect that, they, that of what Tanari saw on the ship, but without any sort of sourcing information. So when in doubt, we call those exotic particles. Exotic particles, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When we don't know what the heck it is yet. Exactly, yeah. Exotic yeah. particles. I like that. Exotic yeah. particles. Yeah. And so speaking of which, after uh, Lieutenant Tenari reports back that his tricorder team is not getting much luck, I'm going ha- to have the Christian pull around and we're going to do a detailed, high-powered sensor scan of the ship. I like it. I like it. So I will let you then roll for the ship then, uh, Tobor. I'm going to say, again, it's a difficulty to challenge. Same level as, as what Tenari did. How... What what of the Christian's capabilities would you obviously he's scanning? So how do you want to make the roll? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run the the scans with our science officer. We're gonna look at the subspace theory of how this is interacting with the particles and such. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for reason science to try and figure out what these are, what this what the, essentially identify this type of radiation energy particle thing involved. Excellent. Since the science officer is a member of your crew, would you roll for them to assist then? Sure yes, thing. Yep. What's my target number for the science officer? Uh, Am I rolling one dice or two? One dice. One uh, let's say, let's give it 13. I don't have their sheet up in front of me. That seems like a nice, like a capable number of a science officer. 13 exactly. Seven and eight for me. Excellent. And so, the ship would be sensor science looking for a 14 got a two Excellent. so critical success there fabulous so what's up? Uh, i had two successes two successes from the ship and then the assist for five total yep okay so that's three momentum well done you said the keyword there that's really going to go ahead and give you the information is that as you're scanning you started to broach it through all of this subspace research that the christian has been collecting lately through both scans but also the conference that happened at the station everything like that and you are finding that on the that the hull of the ryashka specifically shows unusual energy signatures and fluctuations in its structural integrity matrix that are indicative of strong subspace variations that happened while they were at warp. It's like they were at warp and they hit a subspace wall and the hull went, oh crap. And that's, you're seeing, those are are very clear. Once you bridge everything together, you're able to get that. And the computer is also giving you the information that much Tanari's team found out. There is no record of a device that could do such a thing. That is not that the, con- the conclusion doesn't make sense, but the conclusion is verified by the facts. Right. And additionally, since we uh, do, the Christian does have the high-resolution sensors, mm-hmm. we would generate a, an additional momentum. Oh, sweet. Can I suggest that we maybe use that momentum to get an extra piece of data to try to figure out how long ago that stress occurred? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think that's a good uh, uh, additional information momentum spend. Sure. Uh, can we pinpoint the exact time frame and thus extrapolate from that the ship's exact location when that occurred? So looking at the stress markers in the the plating of the hull itself and combining it with the information that was provided with the logs uh, about the chronometric readings that were going on with the ship because it records itself all the time right you are in combination with the with those stress indicators and when the chronometer fell out of sync you are very confident that you are able to determine yep the ship was right there when it happened so good momentum spent so actually want to spend a second momentum. How lethal is this energy to biologics? So I'm going to like essentially take the medical scans, going to bring it all together to be like, how dangerous is this? Yep. That's, let's see. So it definitely left some sort of biologic signature on people that were affected by it when it happened. So it is. It, it, there is definitely some biologic component. It's tougher to go ahead and say what the long-term residual effects would be, but it definitely had a short-term effect. That again, with these people in particular, it was almost as if their bodies were blipped out of existence while their ship was affected by whatever this, by this subspace spike, right? And they internal systems are showing weird amounts of degradation for the time period. They're showing like. There's some sort of like temporal, some sort of like temporal variance in their bodies. It's again, it's as if they blipped out of existence for three or four days and then blipped right back into existence and their body shows that thing. Again, and it also the, in their biology, it is showing this residual, again, using radiation as the parallel, right? When you're exposed to radiation, it lingers for a little while in your system. Same kind of thing lines up with the, with the, the subspace scans that you're seeing is that whatever happened to them left a residual fingerprint behind in their bodies when it happens, like a bioenergetic flux of some sort. Their bodies were in a different subspace realm, maybe something like that. And that's just, and their body shows the results. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we've leveled up our game and we're prepared to make your next role legendary. We've just started a partnership with FanRoll Dice and they have over 300 product options to choose from gemstone, metal, new liquid core dice, and so much more. Better yet, listeners to the Tabletop Journeys podcast can get 10% off on their orders when they follow the link below and use discount code PODCAST10. A portion of these purchases come back to us, and this is a great way for you to help support the show. All right, Mr. Oceans, how would you like to tap the depths? Talk to me. I have the talents well-informed. Mm-hmm. So I can add a one threat and have you answer two questions about the situation or location as if we had spent momentum on the obtained information spent. Okay. Basically, I'm going to leverage my contacts from the the senior parts of society. And I'm going to ask the following questions. The first one is, has there any been, has there been any chatter within the smuggler communities where 
which might suggest that someone's looking to purchase large quantities of biomatter, um, particularly okay. Zindi biomatter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want me to answer that question first, or do you want to ask your second question first? Yeah, the, sec- the, the second question is, is unrelated, so we can, I can okay. give you both at the same time. Cool. Um, and, and sorry, before you carry on to that's you buy that with one threat or two? I buy both questions with one threat. Okay, carry on. Question two. The second question would be, has there any been any chatter that suggests that Brazic's prosperity and new jobs with the Federation has been noticed in a negative sort of connotation by any groups? Okay. I like the direction here. The first question about whether or not there's any chatter about people looking to buy quantity of Zindi biomatter. Mm-hmm. No, not specifically, except to go ahead and say that the Zindi are the new people in town and people that collect biomatter specifically to go ahead and like, basically you're getting the feeling that there's a whole like submarket of snake oil salesmen that are mm-hmm. saying that Zindi carapaces can cure everything from baldness to itchy feet, like that kind of thing. So there's, there is, but that's not very believable or anything like that. You do know, however, that certainly with the way that Brazig accumulated or acquired this shipping contract was certainly in contention when you all first met with him and first established this. And that has not gone over super well in every channel. So there are definitely some some people that would be out to make Brazig look bad and that they would maybe destabilize him as the one that's in charge of the shipping lanes and everything like that. So there's definitely some chatter about that, too. But nothing that there's any sort of groups that are saying, yeah, there's people, there's a lot of people pissed or this one guy is particularly fuming no no one guy there's more like a there's a bunch of guys okay the the other thing though and i'm gonna give you this one for free the other thing is that you are finding especially now that the reports are coming in from the scan that the dc did and the collection of the logs and everything like that to go ahead and triangulate and pinpoint where this happened this freighter is not the first one that has reported something like this there have been other smaller ships that have had unexplained disappearances. Some of them have returned and some of them have not. The ship disappeared again on its way to to Space Station 10. This is a it's a known shipping route between the system, the Exia system and other Federation space stations. So it was maybe like a third of the way along that path. There's a kind of you've been able to pinpoint a region of space where this happened and looking at other reports, you've got some intelligence out there about missed drug runs or missed weapon runs. People saying, "Oh, don't trust Pirate Bob because Pirate Bob was supposed to deliver weapons to me and he just never showed up." And then you've come to find out that Pirate Bob hasn't been heard from since either. And that Pirate Bob was in that region of space. That's the sort of thing that you're seeing on the channels also. So we're looking at almost like a Bermuda Triangle sort of situation here. That's a reasonable conclusion. All right, Captain. Your senior staff has reported. I think you're on mute. Very good. I I think we've gotten all we can here at... with uh, dealing with the Ferengi ship. I think our next step is to head out to where we believe this 
incident occurred and do some investigation to see what kind of threat this possesses presents to the region. All right. Excellent. Captain, I was actually wondering, since we have these scans and data for this strange fingerprint of these exotic particles, whatever surge it was left behind, both on the ship itself and on the crew, do you think it would be possible for the medical team and the engineering team to collaborate and possibly reverse engineer a shield modulation that may shield us from it to some degree? Can't hurt, I suppose. Lieutenant Tenari? We can give it a shot. Yep. How fast? So the, again, so the trip from point A to point B for this freighter traveling at warp 6.5, warp 7, something like that was going to be like, we'll say three weeks. And the event happened about a week in. How fast would you like to get there? Because obviously the Zalamas Christian is capable of faster warp than that. You could get sure. there probably like in, in a day. If you travel at warp at uh, high speeds, that would make uh, Tanari's challenge more difficult if you don't give him as much time. Yeah. Lieutenant, how long do you think you need to get the shields modulated? I think a couple days at least. So like warp give me enough time. Yeah. Yeah. give me enough time to coordinate with the science and medical teams. Right, I'll tap my badge to a captain <laughs> to the con. Plot us a course to these coordinates at warp factor that'll take us, that'll get us there within 55 hours. Warp 8, we'll get you there. And then, Tanari, that'll make that a difficulty 3 challenge for you. Okay. Now, with the crew, would that drop uh, it down to a 2? That drops it to a 2 because you're on the Dolomus Christian. Exactly. Yep. All right. And we're dropping scenes. So, let's see. Is it uh, one momentum or two that you lose for for just the one? So, this would be a probably, what, reason engineering? Study. Yeah. Again, you're taking this like exotic knowledge from disparate. You're looking at you're looking at medical scans. You're looking at the hull scans from the ship. You're looking at all this information and kind of piecing together like how can we modulate our shields so that the DC is not affected. But yeah, I like reason engineering. And then I can get assistance both from the ship and from the chief science officer. Okay. Actually, I'm going to step in and since I was running the science scans of it and have the multidisciplinary ability and assist with on the science end of it. That yep. works. I'm, yep. I'm going to try not to make my newestly promoted uh, chief science officer feel not uh, <laughs> micromanaged, but I'm going to yep. stick yep. my science fingers into the pie. <laughs> Sounds good. So, all right. So t- two so dice for you, Tanari. One for Tobor. Who wants to roll for the ship then? I'll sure. roll for the ship. Yep. All right. So let me go ahead and roll since I get... Yep. I'm the primary on this. 14. I like it. 8 and a 14. So that's two successes. Okay. That's two successes. Fabulous. I assist with the two. Uh, no, okay. Would Is my subspace critical? theory uh, focus work as well? Uh, so yeah, that'll absolutely. Be, that'll be yep. a crit then. Okay. So that's right. and that's one, so that's one, a two is one success, right? Two successes. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it's critical. Right. Yeah, yeah. Duh. Yep. And okay, then, so that's four successes already. Yep. For the... Christian, would that be structure? Structure engineering? It wouldn't be structure. It would be which one is the shields? It's uh, a oh, structure nope, right. engineering. Yep. yep, structure yep. engineering. Yep. And you said he rolled a seven? Did indeed. It's a, yeah, that's a 10. Excellent. Seven works for anything. <laughs> All right. 
So there we go. You guys have regained two momentum. Excellent. So you feel like you are able to to make the the shield modifications to go ahead and withstand the subspace spike that you have that registered through the ship. So we're going to begin act number two. And just to go ahead and make sure that I am uh, being upfront with how I'm going to do this. So I'm going to be using extended challenge rules for the very first part of this act. But I'm going to be using them in a narrative way. So whatever whatever breakthroughs you guys achieve are going to have kind of narrative beats that we'll be able to go ahead and fill in. We'll give you more information on the investigation that you're doing. And then depending on whether or not you succeed or not, basically there is a branch in what's going to happen next. And depending on whether or not you succeed on fail on the extended challenge is going to determine what happens there. So I will leave this up to you guys. Do you want to know the parameters of the challenge or do you just want me to run it on my side? So I think the, the parameters are helpful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Traditionally, an extended task is used if time is of the essence which would be good to know. Similarly, there's the kind of corollary mechanical system around the use of the scientific method, which is more geared towards putting forth ideas, theories on how to, what the problem is and how to address it. And then the pathways forward. So I don't know if mechanically, if that's more to what you're looking for, as opposed to if we don't bounce the graviton particles off the deflector dish in time, we all die. Sure, sure, yeah, exactly. So it's very much not, so there is a ticking clock, but the ticking clock is more out of game and procedural, right? One of two things is going to happen, and I want to use this as the as the, the choose your own adventure path, right? Is that depending on what where the things you get is going to be whether or not something happens to go ahead and guide you in a particular direction, because that the guidance that you will receive has particular consequences, right? That's so there, there's a ticking there is a ticking clock, but again, it's more procedural. It's not oh god, you have just exited warp in the middle of a battle between all these people, and if you don't properly ascertain who the bad guys are, you're dead. It's not. It's nothing like that. Yeah, Again, it's more, it's more procedural. Clock. Yeah, it's a different type yeah. of clock. Exactly. Yep. Okay. I have no problem revealing kind of the parameters. Then. I was going <laughs> to vote the other way. I, I would mind the the uncertainty. Okay. All right. All right well, one, then, one to one. Yep. Glenn? Tanari, Najar? I'm with the captain on this. I kind of like <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know the good job, Lieutenant Commander. I used to report to I used to report to Lieutenant Ocean. I'm feeling a little bit of loyalty in that. No, actually, I think that playing not knowing could be fun, but I'm totally fine with either. Yeah, I am as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, Part of the meta game and the meta currency, right. we don't know how to spend if you don't know the the parameters of a challenge. Because that's you know what that's fair. We, yeah. we are competent Starfleet officers. We can look at a situation and be all like, ooh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. Or, yeah, okay. Yep, fair enough then. I'll give you the... Per- given that, I think that you've convinced me, Tobor. I think I think giving you the parameters makes, makes sense, especially with the threat and how much threat you're going to go ahead and give me versus how much I want to spend because I still have that that complication in my back pocket that I'm very much looking forward to. You want more threat? Always. Don't give them suggestions. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> do I want more threat? I don't know. Do you want more momentum? Is that <laughs> Are the you're running basically an investigation at the point where the room where it happens, so to speak. The base difficulty on the challenge is going to be three. The resistance is two, and the magnitude of three. You're going to have a maximum number of attempts of six between the four of you. So, however you divide that out is up to you. And the amount of work that you're going to need to accomplish before getting to automatic breakthroughs is fifteen. So you are at, so again, you, you take a couple days. Tenari, you're busy working on the shield array to go ahead and, and specifically tune it against the, the subspace interference that you that you guys have been studying now for a very long time. So you feel very confident in the, the modifications that you've been able to go ahead and do on that. That's very much what the kind of the science team has been, has been committed to. In the two or three days that you've got between going from point A to point B, Najar, how are you spending that time? Lieutenant Najar has obviously his main focus in Starfleet Fleet Academy was security, but aside from that, he equal split his time between the sciences and engineering because he like he just likes to know how things work. So since its inception in his brain, when he asked Commander Tobor about it, he's been interested in this shield modulation possibility. So I think Najar would be working with the engineering team unless he gets called away for any other purpose. But also with the vague niggling in the back of his brain of if there are entities behind this that have some means of controlling this anomaly whatever modulations and frequencies we discover that we think may impact it Najar wants to have them noted in his pad and in his back pocket in the event that he needs to modulate the deflector shield within the ship to contain any thing along the same frequencies, whether it be an entity or a pulse or... If somebody all of a sudden turns it up to 11, you want to make sure that you're watching for that to go ahead and adjust. Right. And to be able to make sure that I can make that exact same modulation within the ship in a smaller space if I need to versus outside of the ship. Absolutely. Perfect. And Executive Officer Ocean, how about you? I'm sure that with the two or three days, you've probably got crew assignments and things that are way behind. How else are you spending your, your couple of days here? So while I am not our new chief medical officer, Dr. New, to his role, I'm going to be poking through, I'm going to be watching, I'm going to be studying our flight track and the trade route to see whether or not there's anything along the way, especially in that area or nearby, that would not only, so twofold, one, is there a likely spot where something like this would be opportune like to lay an ambush for things or to lay lay equipment that it may not necessarily be noticed mm-hmm. and secondly for worlds near the area or systems near the area where their ill-gotten gains could be stored or ships that they needed could be where they could take a ship for three days and not have to worry about it being found that is a fabulous question. And I'm going to ask you to give me a moment because I want to give you a visual on this. And because it's important. Your question is very important. I'm going to draw out basically the path that you that this ship would take to get basically from... from uh, Again, from point A to point B. Give me just a moment here. So that's Space Station 10. So it would go this way, and then it would go... Also, since it may come up, 
Which of the runabouts do we have with us? Uh, you know what? So your pilot is not with you, and we don't have a reason why your pilot is not with you. So I would say she took one of those roundabouts. So you tell me which one she took, and then you tell me which ones you have at your disposal. So are you saying we have just one, or we have two? Because there are there are so three of them. Three? So I think there are three of them time, now. So you don't have one. Yeah. Last time I checked, the tank Abbott was at Aslan Station until Starfleet could get another security ship out here to help do security. Okay. Uh, we took the Nessie and the Eagle out, and so I probably would have sent Azra and the small team to in the Eagle to survey, start the surveying in and around the Zindi world, and that's where they're all, that's what they're off doing. I think. Yeah, the Nessie. Okay. I think the Eagle was probably also more fun to fly, so I think our <laughs> chief pilot probably would have grabbed that one. Also, in terms of sensors, I think we still have the Kitty Hawk on board. Yeah, that's. I was going to say, there was one missing, and I think it was the Kitty Hawk, yeah. The Kitty Hawk's not a runabout, it's just a regular shuttle. It's just a shuttle. Okay. That we souped up, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then so you have the Nessie as a runabout, and, you'll have, and you have the Kitty Hawk, which is just a shuttle. Okay, I just sent you guys all a picture. Basically, this is plotting out the course that ships are taking, that this kind of trade route is taking. And so you will notice that from where, from the direction that it is coming, it extends off to the left-hand side of the image there for a while. That's unimportant. What's important is that you will notice that it turns around the the Breen territory. That's a distance of a couple of light years. So it's not like it's like close to the Breen territory, but it's more like you have that like that southern incursion of the Breen right around Portas and Dozaria, right? So it very much goes far around those systems, hooks back up to the north around Orion territory before basically making a beeline into Federation territory. And Space Station Ten is on the far side of of uh, Federation territory there just before the Klingon Empire. So. Real quick, Josh, isn't sure. the yellow's Cardassian space, right? Uh, you know what? You're probably right. You're right. That's Cardassian space. I'm sorry. I thought it was, I thought it was the Orion territory. You're right. That's Cardassian space. So, I just so it, kind of splits sure the, it kind of splits the gap between Cardassian space and the Breen territory. And where do we think the ship disappeared based off of our math? Yeah, good question. Right around the dogleg there where it turns around Breen space. So at the bottom point? Yep, correct. All right. Yep. In that A, B, one, two, three, four. B, four, right? B, four, exactly. B, four? Yep. You sunk my battleship. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you sunk You sunk my shipping freight. Yeah. So we'll all instruct the flight crew to, we're going to drop out of warp very much sufficient room yep. so we don't accidentally run into the same thing. Before we move on, also, Ocean, does that answer your question, though? You yeah. had said the the northern, galactic north, or whatever we want to call it, Gazaria was a Breen. Yes, okay, I see the purple is Breen. Yeah. The, 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 um, purple, the purple is green. It is The purple is the Breen. The yellow is Cardassian space. Okay, and we said that right before the bottom angle, the change in, loca- change in angle, exactly. that's right, right where before, it was. Yeah. Basically, right before the turn, between that takes them between Cardassian space and Breen space. So coming back though, okay. Uh, no, it was, it was on. It was on the way there. It was on the way. It was on on the way to Space Station Ten, not on the way back. On the way. Okay, so heading. They were heading uh, right on the no left. Correct. On yeah, the, they were uh, heading from left map. to right on the image. Yeah. Okay. All right. So right yep. before that, they're still in 
deep space, but I do see a handful of dots that are potential star systems. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on those. Recommend to have our uh, have Khan occasionally scan them for unusual behavior or uh, temporal anomalies yep. in those areas. Would you like to use any of your your contacts for chatter on there, or do you want to? just want to keep it casual. No, let's go ahead and use the use my contacts for yeah, that. Sure. Yeah, this is a difficulty one challenge. That's totally fine. So, yep. how do you proceed? Say that last part again. It's a difficulty one challenge. Tell me the kind of what. Oh yes. Like, are, okay. are you trying to? Uh, how are you hitting up your contacts? What's the kind of what kind of approach are you taking to asking the question of the people that would have information? So I'm not sure. Not sure what discipline would be best. It is. It ties back to my my youth as a son of a constable. So maybe security and presence. Yeah, that yep. that might make the most sense. Yep. Impress the danger of a course of action. Okay. Right. And right. it's only a one difficulty roll. All right. So I'm not going to buy anything on that. So for me, I'm good with both of those. Um, that is actually a 16 for me. Uh, I get one success. One success. Okay, perfect. Yep. Yeah. And so, let me just um, double check. Uh, yeah. Don't have, I didn't use that. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. So as you're like infiltrating those comms and digging in a little bit deeper along the path that the ship takes. So there's uh, a system called Dozaria. You can see that on your map. It's just south of Breen Space there. And then along the the freight path are several other star systems. Occasionally those star systems have stops. There's the Felton system. There's the Volnar system. There's Incaria. There's the Mariah system. You, as you're looking along the flight path, you notice that the information that you got earlier where there's all this chatter about hey pirate bob disappeared and we've never heard of pirate bob again those kind of communications that you're seeing seem to be clustered around this region of space maybe a, a sector one or two either way they also do be clustered around this area about these like strange disappearances sometimes they come back after three days weird chronometer readings, that kind of thing on their ship. Sometimes they don't come back at all, but they all seem to be clustered around people that are traveling through systems in this region. Through Dazaria or those other unnamed ones? So if you look at like Dazaria, like that sector that Dazaria is in, and then imagine like a system to like a system into Cardassian space to the right, a system to the left, a system below. There's no communication coming out of the Breen Empire, so no nothing coming from there. But like in and around this area, imagine like a kind of a sector, not system rather, a sector around that. It seems to be this dog leg does seem to be like the hub of activity where other people in sectors around there are also experiencing similar kind of effects, weird chronometric effects where ships just disappear. And then again, sometimes they reappear, sometimes they don't. So, and they're also experiencing too, the whole concept of cargo loss too, right? So again, so sometimes pirate Bob, when he's running weaponry from point A to point B, Sometimes Pirate Bob, if Pirate Bob comes back, his stockade is 25% lower than it was when he left, that kind of thing. But you're seeing more reports of that kind of thing centered around these kind of four or five sectors of space. Next time on Star Trek Preservations. As the sensors are picking through the data the shields are like feeling it kind of press against the shields, so they're able to get additional data on that front. 
the computer is able to conclude that the effect is distinctly not natural. So it's almost like a moving subspace anthill? I'm basically going to escalate my complication. (laughs) When you hit the long-range scans and specifically looking for this radiation, the response basically overloads the computer bank, and it's not able to go ahead and spit out any proper information. It's not able to interpret what's going on. The computer comes back with a recommendation for you using a singular point of sensor focus is not effective and that using the runabout on board to help triangulate would give it the information that that it needs. But it's not able to go ahead and properly read 